Hi, we're looking forward to talking to Matthew today as part of the People of Aquaponics series. Matthew is the owner of Sustainable Harvesters in the Houston, Texas area. He's a commercial farmer. And so we look forward to asking him questions about just ways he's had to adjust during COVID, his market, what it's like to run a commercial farm. I hear he's famous on TikTok. So we'll ask him some questions about that. But we look forward to talking to him and just hearing what it's like um, to run a commercial farm and to be a farm in Texas. Can you share about Sustainable Harvesters and just kind of who you are and what you're passionate about? Yeah, definitely. We're in the greater Houston area of Texas in the United States. And we have started with, um, you know, about 12,000 square feet of greenhouse space where we built and established a system that was maybe producing 3,000 heads of lettuce a week in 2013. And that really let us find the market and build the reassurance, not only in our business plan, but also in ourselves. We were coming right out of college at that time. And so two college kids, you know, trying to tell our families, our girlfriends, which are our wives and now, you know, that we're going to be farmers and and it was just like not clicking with them so we we had yeah. we had that determination to prove them wrong and that three thousand heads of lettuce a week allowed us to get a good clientele and build up more clientele to establish our ultimate seven thousand heads of lettuce a week that we kind of consistently rode out for about three or four years before we went to wholesale and continued that but also we're able to really build on our efficiencies, expand that production slightly and accommodate for direct to consumer sales, which would be our farmer's markets, um, which was the premium for the head or the site plant site that you have in your greenhouse. So we were doing a diversity so that if the restaurants were down um, as is now or inconsistent as they are now with Corona and everything, yeah. that, we can lean a little bit more now on that direct to consumer um, at these markets where they've already established the channel of food distribution basically. And we just have to pay that vendor fee and we have access to thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. I mean, we've all, like you said, we've all pivoted in some way during Corona. Like, so it sounds like you yes. were doing uh, farmer's markets before, but like what has been your biggest pivot as a farmer? I mean, what, I mean, it's a tough year for farmers. Oh and yeah, so it is. What has, like, what was your biggest pivot? And then kind of what was the either emotion or the driving decision on, hey, we need to make this step forward? So March 1st corresponded with our filling up our expansion bay with water and starting our system, basically. And that was going to provide us an additional um almost three to four thousand heads of lettuce and so that would put us at close to 12 uh 10 to twelve thousand heads of lettuce a week if we went full production which we were going each week monday we would get our purchase orders from wholesalers uh, we would build and fulfill those through our processes of standard operating procedures harvesting you know planting seeding and whatever and we had up until thursdays to fulfill those they would come pick up those products and then distribute them to the restaurants in town well that 
Monday morning, no POs came in. I gave a call to everyone and they're like, look, the restaurants are not going to be buying anything local. That's for sure. Right now, they don't even know if they are going to be open tomorrow. And so uh, just hold tight. Well, I honestly did not hear back from them um, until months later when they started calling me. But that gave me enough opportunity to create my pivot, which they say in the industry. I swear I said it first because (laughs) because right there, March you know, that Monday of the 18th or whatever, um, you know, this, these POs didn't come in and, and immediately I had this feeling. I, I kind of watch, um, Bloomberg markets open when I go to sleep at like six and seven at the evening and it's in China. That's when the markets open in China. And so I fall asleep to that. And so I've seen the progression of that, that kind of restriction and everything kind of closing down. And I knew it was going to inevitably hit somehow for at least a small amount of time and I would need to recover something. So right when that Monday happened, I knew, wow, this is going to be bigger than I thought. So I put into place um, a bunch more diversity. Our entire production was about, you know, 90%, 95% leafy greens. And so at that point... We were selling out each week to wholesale. We had about 5% going to farmer's markets at that time. We would just sell wow. out in an, in like an hour or something. And just to show up, people would literally show up at 30 minutes early and, and buy our product just to get that little quantity would show up for them. That was that direct consumer, you know, relationship building thing. Well, I needed to flip that over almost immediately and really lean in on those customers' consistency and meet them where they were. And so I couldn't do that all with lettuce. And I knew I had no opportunity to press stop on the system and have production come in. And so we started diversifying our seeds, our germination, and that included kale, celery, uh, Swiss chard. We did cucumbers, tomatoes, um, herbs. Uh, we grew carrots, radishes in the aquaponics system, which was crazy. Green onions, uh, pearl onions. And so we had that extra entire yeah. day as a blessing to R&D on and see if these things can work. But we knew we were having still an inventory of fully stocked lettuce in our previous square footage that was going to come in at least for the next three weeks if we did not supply any more seedlings to the back and transplant. And so we had that amount of product I knew needed to go somewhere in the restaurants where we weren't going to pick it up. So my next call was to the Houston Food Bank. And we had a great relationship with them um, after I start I, my first approach. I went with my trailer and they would not let me drop off all these boxes of lettuce that I had packed up because I didn't have an 18 wheeler uh. in, in the loading dock. So coincidentally, the next few days, Mr. Paul Hobby of the Hobby Airport, if you ever fly into Houston, was playing golf right by the farm and him and his wife stopped in with a group of friends and took a, a brief tour. Of course, I couldn't say no. I usually do say no. So if you're watching this, we're not fully open for tours. So he has this group of friends. I'm giving him a tour and I tell him that story. And immediately he walks out and gets on his phone and walks out the tour. I'm thinking, man, this dude is a jerk. No one does that. Like I'm talking, I'm literally picking up the board, 
of rafts of lettuce where it's everyone's like oh that's awesome and he's just like hold on let me let me get on the phone and i was like wow okay cool there was my there was my shot for free flight for life and so he walks back in at the end of the tour and says i heard what you said i'm actually on the board of the houston food bank we have just put we have just put together a fund for $25,000 for you to do no, donate the next five weeks worth of lettuce that you can. Wow, that's amazing. It. Yeah. So we were able to start with lettuce, offload what we had, work with a couple farms, and we were able to really produce about 5,000 farm boxes and deliver those to the Houston Food Bank in my trailer, my smaller trailer. <laughs> which if you're listening for this and you you do want to get into this as a small business just get a small cargo trailer and a small ac unit window ac unit and the cool bot that b- bypasses that thing that's nice. really bueno. good good advice good advice yeah what advice do you have for new farmers stepping into aquaponics of all sizes right i think you know it goes back to a terrible pun but it starts small and grow organically um really you can gain so much conceptual design by seeing how the flow rates work it it, it's really about taking the human element out of this to really succeed with the relationship between fish and plants it's um you know the incorporation of ai technology but also natural breakdowns in this process if you put these components in place to succeed, they're going to do their work. They're going to do it themselves. And I think if you can control that from an exterior point of view and leave as much human responsibility on fluctuation out of it, it's the better. Um, you're going to get more consistent products. You're going to get more uh, reliable um, fish. You're going to get less work on componentry like plumbing, you're not going to be sitting there doing a lot of rework. That's the one thing that I hate doing. It's, it's so easy that you can get a piece of paper and pen and write this thing out. You can do PVC a thousand ways. So don't get bogged down on that. Think less, do more on that. Just take these huge blocks of components, your fish, your filtration, your mineralization or mediation or media, and your buffer, your giant water depository, or your NFT, or whatever hydroponic growing in a soilless environment solution you want to incorporate into your system. If you have those incorporated in any way, you can do a thousand different things. I mean, millions different things. Yeah, that's but good. What I, but what I try and go back to is just take those huge blocks and then try and take as much human element out of it and as much cheap technology into it. You know, you can get onto Amazon, get wise cameras, hook them all up around your farm. You can get little, you know, sensors that, you know, hook up to your program, I'm sure. And yep. Yeah. We use wise cameras too here. Yeah. They're great cameras. But, but I, I really struggle to find at my farm, much more to incorporate in automation because it is so fluid. It is so consistent. A worker or a team of two can get everything done working from eight o'clock to two o'clock with a lunch break in there Monday through Friday. Um, And 
And so, and that's without having to do anything. I have these barcode scanners. I have QR codes set up with stickers. I have everything and I've tried to incorporate it and I've really figured it out that it's just not, I'm overthinking it. I could do those, but it's like the system. I got to think less, let it speak itself. And what I say on my tour, if you ever come and see it, is that we compare our system of, of workflow to blockchain in the aspect of there's insurance in front, behind, so that you don't have to communicate fully between the two parties to ensure that at the end, what's going to happen and what needs to happen throughout that day to keep that system consistent is going to happen. And, and they don't need some overlord coming in there and micromanaging them. They get in there, they have the orders, and then it's almost straightforward calculation. They harvest and that initiates that blockchain. And from that point on, they have their other responsibilities and they just keep going through that. And the system, whether that's missing boards in the front, whether that's the amount of boards that need to be cleaned or the translation between boards and our germination trays that we get from Quick Plug in uh, Rhode Island. You know, there's, there's always something that is being communicated, but it's always being communicated by that initial step. And that's a harvest. And those are initiated by the purchase orders. And so that's the only communication into this off-grid system that you need to incorporate, whether that's two workers or whether that's a you know, system of conveyor automation, who knows? I, I really do harp that vertical farming for crops like leafy greens, for crops like microgreens, for crops like baby kale and such is the way to do it. You can really just dial in really expensive real estate, get a small, con completely controlled environment and, and really feed places that don't have access to food and for considerably cheap rate comparatively to purchasing that land and farming it and in labor to and, and do that. And that's what I've been working on with people around the world and I really think that the, the biggest fall down is that no one has that first component. It's where is this lettuce? Where is this product going to go? You know, yeah. you have these systems in place. Who's going to get it? And where do you think that money's coming from if you're trying to target it for, you know, they're not going to want to change their diets for a more expensive crop that they don't understand. And so I really do play into the fact that it needs to be a hand in hand cooperation with these governments um, in these places like Mali um, and others all around the world that um, the Caribbean here near the United States and Haiti, we have a system. Uh, we talk about superpowers a lot around our office. So what do you feel like your unique contribution to aquaponics is? Yeah, I think um, just honestly, someone's got to do the dirty work. <laughs> someone's got to you know, put in the hours on the, on the trial and error of the business side too. I think a lot of people focus on the science side, but really this is something that only works if you're cash flow positive. You can't keep buying air stones four years down the road if you're negative $50,000 in your bank account. And so right. I think me going to markets and sitting there and not seeing a single customer for four hours, you know, is, is, 
sounds gruesome to my friends and family, but to me, it's, it's a barrier that someone else is going to have to climb one day. And I'm just one step ahead of them. And I think this space is so new that we have that opportunity to get people like me as that explorer on the business end to, to really do the work and, and collaborate with the science end, but also show them that, Hey, look, we're doing it because we are, you know, out in some cheap, cheaper land you know we have access to a longer amount of sunlight these are the reasons i chose this yeah. greenhouse style but there's so many other options out there for you to be cash flow positive but it's not going to be a, a easy thing like a gold rush i mean it's yeah. it, it's a lot of time and effort regardless of how much research you do um so yeah no, that's a great need- superpower and no, i really i mean we're on the business end as well and growing in but yeah exactly. i agree i yeah. think we need people like you that's what attracted to me to sustainable harvesters early on is i found you guys and just your media presence and just showing that they had a business focus as well so that was attractive and i think like you said you're kind of a forerunner in testing out the market and um you know doing those things that you know future growers need to do and know and one thing i'm curious about is like can you describe your demographic like at the farmer's market like do they care that it's aquaponics or do they just care that it tastes better than everything else or do they like the look like what's what's kind of what are you learning and who's buying your products farmers markets are literally the best um not only with people watching but also just like consumer behavior research because you know i've gotten it down to like tricks that i know if i put this extra green lola rosa right here and put it right on the edge that it's gonna attract someone and they're gonna buy that first and immediately they're the first that's the first bag to buy and i mean those aren't really tricks because the product sells itself it's really um it's really not hard to sell but when you can explain that it lasts three weeks in your refrigerator they stop in their tracks the husband pulls out his wallet immediately we'll buy two um and we do a deal where it is encouraging to buy two and so that we can move that product almost at a wholesale rate yes per plant site but we're also moving volume where we're not having to go to that wholesale we're 95 percent now farmers markets and only five percent restaurant sales not even through not even through wholesale they are calling us and you know we're not picking up our phones we have great relationships with a couple of them you know of course um, but we're just not making those deals right now because we're moving so much at that premium at the market um in four hours as opposed to really having to to you know, have that inconsistency each week. Now we know, all right, we can push 300 bags and sell out. We can push 200 bags on Sunday and sell out. Let's make 500 bags throughout the week. And we really don't have much more room in time, not so much production to do much more harvesting and such um, right now. But to tell you the truth, we're looking for a more consistent clientele. um, And we've found that through that direct, farmer's market relationship Um, but it is a wide variety to get back to your um, main question and we're really inspired that it is wider at the beginning it was really affluent um, neighborhoods in the periphery of urban houston that were 
targeted towards these markets. That's where the location was. Um, it wasn't in food desert areas, you know, it was encouraged for people to go there for a coffee, brunch, their brie, and their produce. But in reality, there's not many farmers and there aren't many farmers doing produce, you know, in Texas in general, especially in the Houston area. And so there are, you know, me and a, a gang of merry men that, that go from all, all around at the different markets um, and, and women. And, you know, we have our honey vendors, our other produce vendors, you know, yeah. that are really doing it and less artisanal stuff. But it still inspired that or it still drive that effluent crowd in these nice um, neighborhoods. But now over the years, they've started to modify the Wix and the SNAP benefits program, which is a food program through the federal government that allows a movement of money, basically printed uh, coupons that you can then transfer like food stamps, mm -hmm. but for farmers markets okay. and they can buy produce and other things. And so over the past two years, we have seen that climb incredibly high. And, and when you give them the power at these markets to do their own purchasing and such, and they see this product, they hear the value of it. Yeah. it it's awesome that they get this chance to have something other than iceberg um, and, you know, let their families experience something other than iceberg. And I try and explain that they mix Billen, you know, doesn't only have to be in salads. You can chop this green Lola Rosa or oak leaf up into, you know, tacos and it's resistant to heat because you're still living product in your refrigerator. I mean, you yeah. are the harvester at that point and it's, only going to lose immunity once you take that knife to it and so you have a long time and it's great to hear this uh collaboration of snap benefits um that food program and cash and credit everyone from young college kids to die hard lovers of our lettuce of uh retired couples that literally just come out rain shine even yeah. snow i bet yeah. they come out i i think right when it woke up that morning they're like are you gonna go to the market this weekend i'm like it's monday and it's snowing outside there's a disaster yeah. i can't tell you that yet but um uh we we definitely have created a loyal crowd and um that's not to say that farmers markets don't come with their cons in general they are very difficult for any kind of business operation to run logistics wise insurance wise transportation wise i mean i'm doing the backhaul from the farm to the center or bringing it in the night before in the trailer that i told you about earlier parking that picking that up going to the market opening up the tent putting the weights out putting the tables out breaking it down four hours later, bringing the product back to the farm. There's movement. At, you can't really rely on other people to do time and time again as a business corporation. That would be a very, very high cost for you. Um, so there is a lot of labor that I discount in the fact that we just have the need right now in the general Houston area, and we have access to a lot of different communities at these points you know, a thousand people from all over Houston get to see yeah. us every Saturday and Sunday. And so we almost can't do it. And what I keep saying to people, and I think I started this off is the burden of opportunity is, is upon us in it's only being escalated now 
more so than it already was with Corona yeah. and, and COVID. Now that the snow thing has happened, not only yeah. are we uh, the only produce vendor and leafy green provider around that, that survived, you know, I'm also a really good plumber because yeah. of aquaponics. So I'm yeah. getting calls all the time. <laughs> Broken hey, pipes. You, and... <laughs> you got three quarter inch couplings, man. Oh yeah. Come on over. Come on yeah. over. And so yep. when you're not running a business and setting up tents and hauling a trailer and growing thousands of heads of lettuce, what do you do that just recharges your life? What do you do that just resets you? Ooh. Well, I try and do a good run uh, quite a bit, but I have the best two farm hounds in the world. And honestly, they're with me, you know, from sunrise to sunset and any off time that I might find here and there, I get to release on them. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to find something consistent to have a hobby in, um, right now. And, and so I, I do put a lot of effort into family and, and, and friends are just, you know, something that I know will be there when I get time again. And um, the burden of opportunity is upon us. So, you know, all of us need to spread the word about sustainable gardening techniques, whatever that is, and utilizing ag and technology to solve some of these problems um, as big as, you know, geographic conflict starting with food, you know, that, that can solve a lot of problems. And I think there's a lot of time people can spend right now um, finding solutions for those problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.